You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Dan Pittman, joined by the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And Frank, happy new year to you. I don't know how you spent your day today, but I'm not going to lie. The Milwaukee nightlife got a hold of me last night. So today, I actually went and got some Rocky Rococo pizza to help with the recovery process pregame. And I have a feeling... <laughs> I have a feeling that the Bucks maybe could have used some themselves because this was not pretty. The Bucks win 106-104, but it was hard work. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, I guess we can, we can wait to get your review of Rocker Cocos till maybe later at the end of the pod. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Bucks uh, ring in the new year with a very unconvincing 106-104 win over the Timberwolves. A T-Wolves team missing Carlin Anthony Towns, missing Andrew Wiggins, missing Jeff Teague, and um, featuring a whole lot of guys who I had to look up like, wait, who is this guy exactly? <laughs> like, wait, where did this guy play college? Um, but uh, yeah, it was definitely a hangover game. I mean, you look at the numbers. This, this was not a, oh, they just, you know, Tim Borges got lucky and hit tons of threes and, you know, the Bucks had to really kind of play at their best offensively to just outscore them. This was both teams are very poor offensively and obviously, you know, Bucks were used to playing at a high level defensively, uh, but their offense tonight was um, poor to say the least. And uh, we were just talking before the podcast, you know, when I saw the injury report for Minnesota, my first thought was, well, geez, if Giannis is having like any back issues whatsoever, just give him the night off. Right. And we've seen the Bucks manage without Giannis uh, of late. And, uh, a few hours later, I, I was obviously feeling like, wow, it's a good thing Giannis was feeling good tonight because um, this was uh, an MVP carrying a team to a win on his own. And, and obviously, you don't want to have to beat a team like this Timberwolves team in that fashion. But um, Giannis making sure that the Bucks get off to a winning start to the year with 32 points, 17 rebounds, 14, four, four assists. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, the rest of the box score was, was not – uh, not particularly flattering to any of the other Bucks. Lots of uh, lots of New Year's Day hangovers to go around. It seems other than Giannis. Yeah, I mean at the start of this game, and the funny thing about the the performance for Giannis was, uh, I mean he started zero for three and missed a couple of ones that you would normally expect him to finish. So, uh, I, I mean I think the Bucks had two points on the board halfway through the first quarter. I mean it was it was hard work to start, and then finally Giannis sort of. Uh, got rolling in the back end of that first quarter and then really, really took over in the second. Uh, I mean, 13 for 22 from the field. So after that, those first three misses, he ends up being uh, 13 for 19. And this is the second game in a row now uh, that the the Bucks have really struggled from three, particularly uh, in the first half. They only made two threes uh, this time. Or actually, they had three at halftime tonight, only one 
against Chicago the other night. And when you talk about all the work that, that Giannis did, he was the, really the only one who was hitting the threes as well. He finished three for seven and hit a big one down the stretch because, uh, you know, I mean, obviously they only win the game by two points, but that three was really big. And this game looked like, or it had the feel for me of, uh, you know, like maybe that Memphis game last year, even the Phoenix one. I saw someone on Twitter mention the Phoenix game where they lost, where when the Timberwolves had that possession uh, right at, at the end of the game, uh, in my head, I'm like, well, this just feels like one of those nights that someone's just going to hit a three. And and uh, I think the thought was that it might have been uh, Shabazz Napier who not only took that shot, but made that shot. He was seven for 13 from the field. He had 22 points, four for seven from three. Uh, they couldn't even get the ball in his hands. And that was uh, obviously huge credit to George Hill. Yeah, George Hill with some great on-ball denial on that final possession. And then Brooke Lopez um, playing some very good defense. I think it was Pat Connaughton was the other guy sort of in that like kind of botched two-man game that happened along the kind of right wing there for uh, for the Timberwolves. And, and I had the same reaction. You know, the Bucks were up two with the ball. Um, and they get the ball inside. They don't score. Uh, and, you know, get, my first thought was exactly what you're saying. I mean, the Bucks' Achilles heel has been they'll give up open three-point looks. Yeah. And the last time – last thing you want to give up, obviously, up two on the final possession defensively is, is an easy look for three. And thankfully, uh, the Bucks locked in a bit more than they did for much of the night because, um, I mean, if it, it's kind of funny. I mean, the defensive numbers were so good tonight, but I would definitely not say that this was, um, you know, a clean defensive game for the Bucks. I think, uh, you know, there were a lot of dare threes for guys like Gorgie yeah. Jang, who um, seemed like he had his foot on the line half the time anyway, uh, <laughs> thankfully. Um, Nas Reed had a number of uh, go-ahead, take, take that three, uh, threes that he hit um, and uh, otherwise though it just seemed like there were a lot of blow buys Giannis got caught like back door or kind of flat footed a couple times in the first half um, th- this was again just yeah I mean hungover is probably the best figurative <laughs> way to, to kind of put it like it just Bucks did not seem to have their usual Christmas defensively um, even though obviously the numbers were ultimately pretty flattering I mean it feels like you know, if you play this game at the top of your typical abilities, you know, this is a Bucks game where they, you know, should have held, uh, should have held the Timberwolves to like 85 points or something. Um, but instead, uh, you know, they, they played, you know, ultimately the defensive numbers were good, but, but obviously the offense just was not there consistently all night. You mentioned the struggles early and um, yeah, I mean, Chris Milton was bad. Uh, five out of 18 from the field, which obviously we've been getting used to him playing at a high level of late. Um, so no, you know, no sort of second star work from Chris um, and everybody else, you know, just sort of kind of, you know, there just wasn't that other guy who stepped up or something. Sova had a, a very off night offensively after his excellent play of late. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting. We saw Brooke Lopez covered by Robert Covington a bunch uh, in that fourth quarter, I think it was. Yeah. And, um, Brooke Lopez had one one possession where he very deliberately dribbled back the ball down into the paint and scored pretty easily. But other than that, Bucks really not looking to exploit that matchup. And uh, you know, ultimately, a lot of it came down to just Giannis making plays. And um, again, not that it was a complete takeover by Giannis in that fourth quarter or something like that. You know, I mean, he had uh, I think he had uh, what eight or ten points in the third quarter. And then uh, he had 13 and a half times. So, um, you know, kind of a similar thing in the, in the fourth quarter. 
Uh, I think he might have had nine points there in that third quarter, including that big three. Um, as the Bucks, you know, they, they kind of kept keeping them at arm's length. Yeah. Um, you know, they they weren't you know trailing at any point there in the fourth quarter, but they just could not shake them. And um, you know, it just seemed like every time the Bucks thought maybe they had a little bit of separation, um, you know, Minnesota had a three, and then the Bucks would just botch a couple of possessions and just you know again just a lot of kind of sloppiness to go around some. I'd say frustrating officiating as well, which um, we, we haven't talked about yet. But um, Brooke Lopez, a couple, I think, I, I think live should have been non-call blocks uh, um, in that. I think they were both in the fourth quarter, I believe, um, called for fouls. One of them gets a, a technical. One of them gets a, a timeout and a challenge from Bud, which I know you asked Bud about after the game was um, – was not overturned. Looked like the offhand. I think they. I think they. Ju- I think they justified calling the, um, the foul based on maybe the follow through or Brooks offhand kind of catching. I think it was, was Joshua Kogi. I think it was um, kind of low. But again, you know, in kind of the spirit of like, you know, okay, was that a foul or not? I think, um, you know, most of the time the officials probably would would rightfully let that go. But obviously, when you put the put the the whistle. Uh, against the test and you, you challenge something, um, you know, typically the official are looking for, <coughs> excuse me, looking for a reason not to overturn it. And um, that's what happened in this game. And um, let's say a, a, a frustrating night uh, in terms of the whistle for the Bucks, probably on both ends, but um, you know, we've talked about them not fouling much of late, but tonight they, they did get uh, outshot from the free throw line. They're minus four in terms of free throw points, which obviously is typically an advantage. And tonight, Uh, you know, kind of hurt them a little bit going the other way. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra 1000 bucks in free money to play with. Just use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Yeah, I mean, certainly it looked like there was some some frustration uh, with, the, with the officials, certainly in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, it started actually, or there were, there were some interesting calls throughout the game, but we almost saw our first Robin Lopez full blow-up. And I, I thought tonight was the night. I remember we spoke uh, preseason about uh, the ejections for, for Lopez. I think we put both Lopez brothers together in that one. And I thought for a second that Jared Culver, who just, I mean, it was a, he dunked all over Robin Lopez. It was a good dunk, but then had something to say. And uh, Robin looked like he just didn't appreciate that. And he wanted to have a few words with him, uh, which by the way, you know what? It really shocked me that he didn't get a tech out of that, even though, uh, I mean, there wasn't a lot in it, but generally that looked like the textbook play for a, a, a double tech. So uh, yeah. Lopez was chasing sort of Culver up the floor. Uh, I think Nas, I think it was Nasreed sort of stepped in 
and, and Robert Lopez just shoved him out of the way and then uh, had some more words to say to Culver. Culver picked up the tech for the uh, for uh, the sort of whatever he said to Lopez after the dunk. I'm not too sure. And that was it. But uh, then we had the two blocks from Lopez. And the problem is with the, with the challenge. And, uh, you know, Bud said that after the game that, it doesn't feel great, the system itself, for anybody. Uh, he, he's not really sure why they're overturning some things and not others. But the problem with the replay is tonight, as you mentioned, the off-arm of Lopez, as soon as I saw that that off-arm was on him, and you can give them any excuse to say, okay, well, yeah, that's where the foul was. They're just not going to overturn it. And uh, I thought that it was interesting uh, that Bud went to challenge that one and it felt like it was just like, okay, well, you've, you've called the first one, which actually to me looked even cleaner than, than the second one. It looked like there was nothing in that one at all uh, and, and they just didn't overturn it. And, and, and Brooke Lopez said after the game himself, he just said, that's no, whatever, man. I'm not surprised that they can't get it right the first time. And I mean, he's not wrong because it, like you sort of mentioned, uh, it's going to be hard for the official to say, yeah, okay, I made a mistake if they can have any sort of... Uh, excuse at all to get out of that and it comes back to the whole thing uh with replay in general and how looking at these calls in slow-mo uh isn't really i'm not sure it just doesn't feel like it's really in the nature of the game and, and the speed that the game is being played at uh like when you think back to the to the lebron one obviously last last week on christmas day um clearly the right call was made lebron was the last one to touch it but in any other stage in the game, that's not the call. And I think that's the interesting thing about the, the challenge system uh, that is probably frustrating people more than anything. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the inherent issue with trying to, um, you know, legislate foul calls uh, via instant replays. There's, you know, especially the way that, that bang-bang plays happen. I mean, there's usually always contact from both sides. You know, you end up having to mm-hmm. do stuff that's, it's very marginal. I mean, the, the out-of-bounds type plays that you mentioned with when Patrick Beverly stripped LeBron, um, I think that's a very interesting philosophical issue because, you know, again, I think typically refs call essentially who is the impetus for the ball going out-of-bounds. Like, you know, if, if you make a slapping motion and the ball goes out-of-bounds, basically the refs just will always will give the team the ball back unless it was obviously like knocked off of a body part or something like that. Right. Right. Um, and I think, yeah, I think we saw it in the, actually the, in the NCAA final four, I think in the national championship game, yeah. I think there was a late game call that was very similar where a guy knocks it out. Um, and you know, again, did it, it was the last touch by the offensive player. Yes. But you know, typically you're just sort of used to the way that is called is that it's, it's sort of, not really called in the spirit of that way. Um, and again, I, I'm kind of torn on this because I think, again, the most black and white thing is to always just say, well, you know, if it's, if it's off, the, if you're the last person to touch it, that's the rule, right? I mean, right. That's, always, that's always been the rule. Um, so to sort of start to legislate a bit differently is, is tough. But, you know, uh, Timberwolves also had an earlier challenge um, overruled, which I, I, I thought it was a strange uh, a strange uh, choice to use it when they did. It was uh, on a foul call on Giannis, uh, or well, it was when a foul of Giannis, which sent Giannis to the free throw line. And um, I thought that, you know, on replay, again, I only saw it once, but it, it didn't look like there, were, it, there, there was a lot of ball on, on that strip of Giannis. I think it was Nasri who got, who got called for that one. Um, and again, I think maybe the basketball God sort of saying, well, Giannis gets like raked constantly that doesn't get called. So, you know, they, they didn't overturn that one either, but also a little strange too. Cause I mean, 
you know, that, that was not like a late, late game call. I can't remember if it was in the second or third quarter. Um, but to call that again, you know, if you, if you win that challenge, well, first off, you know, you're preventing Giannis from going to the line. Giannis is obviously, and again, in this game, struggled mm-hmm. to be out of it from three throw line. Like Giannis isn't exactly like a high percentage free throw guy right now anyway. And if you win it, it's just going to a jump ball. So it's, it's not like, you know, uh, like a block charge to me is like the really obvious play when to challenge it because you can completely flip a play, right? I mean, the, probably the best example, right? When these two teams met in Minnesota, Giannis has an and one yeah. reversed from a, a, a charge to basically a, you know, a potential three-point play opportunity at the end of that first half in Minnesota. So I mean, that makes a ton of sense, right? Because there's big stakes. It's a key player picking up a foul. Um, that some of these other ones don't don't make nearly as much sense to me when you think about the cost benefit of it. But anyway, um, Neil Zay, I think we probably talked about the officials way more than uh, we would have liked. Um, but to a large extent, I think that there were, that was that was definitely a part of this game. I think there was a lot of frustration um, in the building uh, and on the Bucks bench for sure with some of the foul calls. Uh, and you know, ultimately, obviously, Bucks prevail. But I'm sure if they had lost that game, <laughs> if there had been a foul call on that last play. Um, there, there would have been, uh, uh, let's just say even more discussion about it. And, um, you, you know, I guess it won't really get talked about much, but, um, Brooke Lopez has been a phenomenal free throw shooter this year. Uh, you know, he gets the rebound with 1.1 seconds left after forcing that miss, uh, goes to the free throw line. I feel pretty damn good with Brooke Lopez going to the following. Well, he's been around 90%, I think this year, and he back irons the first one and then, similarly misses the second one and again minnesota did not have a timeout so you knew that the odds of them were extremely long to do anything you know whether brooke missed or made it um they were going to have a really hard time doing anything with it robert coming gets a rebound and then basically tried like a you know 93 foot uh toss and Giannis blocks it which is like uh, uh scary yes i mean it happened so quickly that like you know i didn't even have a chance to really be um scared but it was kind of one of those things where it's like hey you know me of all people uh i've i've probably done more to try to get Giannis blocks recognized by scorekeepers including texting people with the box <laughs> and you know getting them to bug the scorekeepers about uh uh, blocks not being ca- counted, things like that. But so, hey, I'm, I, I love chasing a, 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 a block in the last <laughs> in the last second. But that was not the way um, I necessarily would have advised Giannis try to get a, a block. Uh, but but anyway, um, yeah, this was a, a you know kind of game we have not seen much of. I, I tweeted out after the game, Bucks have not had a one possession win, so three points or fewer since November tenth. You know, that's, that's almost two months ago, November 10th, they won in Oklahoma city by two points. And in this game, um, obviously, you know, they probably should have won by four. Normally Brooke knocks down those couple of free throws, but um, you know, they've won 23 games out of 25 uh, in that streak. And kind of the remarkable thing is they had a four point win. Uh, Folks might remember against the jazz uh, when Giannis had his 50 point game, uh, but other than that, this is the this, this is the only other really close game that has been within two possessions in that entire time period. So it's pretty remarkable just how dominant the Bucks have, have been. I think 21 out of those 23 wins have come by eight or more points, um, and a bunch of those by by double digits as well. They've they've had a number of eight and nine point wins in there uh, too. So 
yeah, definitely a play with your food type uh, game. <laughs> but fortunately for the Bucks, um, maybe they got a little bit lucky that obviously Minnesota wasn't able to take advantage. Certainly, the Bucks gave them a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities to uh, to maybe nick a win here that um, you know certainly I don't think any of us would have seen coming. Yeah, just the one interesting thing with the with the Brook Lopez situation at the end, and and by the way, I mean I just thought like the way that that finished with Gorgie Jang trying to I don't know you know when they couldn't get the ball to uh, Napier, so he's out there on the perimeter trying to dribble something somewhere I don't know what he was doing. Brook Lopez was all over him, and then uh, he gets the rebound. Uh, is fouled but I, I don't know if you can remember this I was trying to and, and I probably should have looked it up but I was thinking in my head that, that back to that Memphis game last year where the Bucks lost at home I think unless I'm think I've got the wrong game but I think Brooke Lopez had a chance to uh, either tie the game he had some big free throws in that game and missed both as well um, or there was a game where I'm not sure Lopez missed a couple of, of clutch free throws so it's interesting because he's generally uh, you know, spent so much time out on the perimeter that he just doesn't mean to the free throw line that often um, with, since he's come to Milwaukee. But, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, either way, you know, I had some people ask whether he should have missed that one intentionally. I mean, like you sort of said, it, it doesn't matter with, without a, a timeout. If he makes it, they've still got to get a shot in one second full court. So it doesn't really... Uh, make much of a difference there, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like I said, he doesn't—he's not in that that situation where he's shooting clutch free throws uh, too often. But one thing that was good to see, and we spoke about Giannis a lot here, but it was nice to see him uh, hit those threes, and particularly the one in the fourth quarter because uh, he did have that obviously uh, really rough day uh, on Christmas Day, shooting the ball from the outside, and then against Chicago, he had some. Uh, some pretty bad misses from deep. He finally hit that one uh, late in that game to to get the three, or later in that game to get the three. So it was good to see him get back in some touch from the outside, I guess. I mean, uh, we've spoke a lot. He's going to go through stretches where he's going to miss them. Uh, that's just <laughs> what's going to happen. The, the important thing is that he keeps taking them. But for him to uh, bounce back here and have his, uh, his best little shooting night uh, from the outside after that uh, that day on Christmas, is that's positive. It's good to see him uh, back knocking some of them down. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, six out of six from the line the other night, three out of eight tonight, um, was was not great to see. Didn't get better as the I'm game went to, on. Yeah, I'm trying to, um, you know, like uh, help you avoid the, the the free throw struggles tonight by uh, talking about some positive uh, shooting stuff. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, and again, I just don't want to say. I think they got three three offensive rebounds off those misses. So well, Chris Middleton hit that big three actually on, on yeah. the, uh, after Giannis sort of sent uh, Naz Reed to the floor. Yeah. That, that's sort of the, um, the irony of, uh, of his misses tonight is I think those misses probably actually were a net positive because of the number yeah. of reloads the Bucks got out of them. Um, but again, yeah, missing free throws badly enough that you, uh, you know, have good chances at offensive rebounds isn't really exactly the direction we want Giannis to be going with his, his free throw shooting. But, uh, but yeah, the, the three-point shooting was obviously nice to see. I think he started two out of three, and I think he missed three straight and then uh, hits that last big one. Um, but, I, but I think, was it Jang or Reed, like, immediately answered uh, after that, that three? So, yeah. Um, so, anyway, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of one of those things that you just obviously – I think one or two of those were um, – where the defense was really not close. I think one of them was where like the defense was like, you know, guy was at the foul line pretty much, um, you know, again, maybe I think he said after the, 
uh, said a week ago that, you know, he was kind of gotten used to teams guarding him a little bit out there. And so maybe playing against Philly on Christmas day, it was sort of just like a shock to the system a little bit when, you know, they got more and more bold, just pretty much daring him to shoot threes. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's a little unnerving. I think anybody who's played sports, whether it's basketball or anything, like when you, when you, when you're basically like uncontested at something can almost make it harder. Cause like, you're not in necessarily the same rhythm that, that you might otherwise be. Um, so anyway, I, yeah, I would say certainly good to see Giannis rediscovering that, that three point form uh, a bit tonight. And, and again, hopefully, um, you know, he, uh, he doesn't hit a prolonged slump because I think that's been a big part of, you know, his improvement is, um, you know, certainly an 0 for 7 game, notwithstanding. I mean, again, he's hit a three-pointer pretty much every game for like two months, basically, other than that one game. So, um, you know, just just not going through those prolonged slumps is important because obviously you do worry about just his confidence. And, and again, just if he starts missing, does he start overthinking it, right? Does he start thinking too much about his mechanics? Because I think he's just a guy who probably is best served when he's just letting it fly and, and, and not thinking about it quite so much. So, um, so yeah, you know, good to see Giannis back in the 30-point column tonight as well. Um, I think it'd been like four, four straight games or so where he'd been 23 points or fewer. And um, a couple of those games were sort of because of blowouts and just not playing a whole lot. Um, but obviously the, the, you know, the Christmas day game was, was obviously a different story and the Indiana game as well. Um, you know, he's frustrated in that game as well. And just, you know, I'd say just generally it was not, uh, was, was held clamped down much more than we would have expected. Uh, against the Pacers, who obviously went small, Brogdon guarding him a lot of time, just sending lots of help. So uh, nice to see kind of a return to uh, just more straight up kind of Giannis dominating and just sort of physically overpowering uh, teams. And uh, again, seemed like his back, at least we didn't see anything noticeable uh, in terms of the back kind of causing him problems. But, um, you know, again, I'll feel better when we stop seeing him on that injury report. Yeah, I mean, I do think that you hit the nail on the head right off the off the top of the podcast when you you sort of had those thoughts about Giannis not playing because again, uh, as we mentioned, no Towns, no Wiggins tonight. Uh, it's probably a night you would like to think you could get away with not playing him, but I think the fact he did play probably tells you that he he must have been feeling okay. Put it that way. I don't think that this was a game on paper that they they probably would have risked anything. And uh, just a couple other notes um, from tonight, but did talk about. Uh, Wesley Matthews, and he said that that thigh contusion, it was interesting because he, uh, he he spoke about this on Monday in Chicago, that it was something that had been bothering him for, for a little while. Uh, he did mention tonight pregame that they were just being, I think his words were overly uh, cautious in, in regards to that. So uh, certainly would expect that he uh, might be back as soon as uh, Saturday against San Antonio. And then the other uh, sort of uh, notable thing from the injury front was Bledsoe tonight. We haven't mentioned him, but he uh, played 16 minutes the other night. He gets up to 20 minutes tonight. Uh, had a really nice stretch to start the second half, actually, where he, he scored six quick points, uh, assisted on a couple of the other baskets, and uh, was on the, made a couple of nice sort of hustle plays tonight. He was on the floor a couple of times, had a nice uh, save, uh, with the ball going out of bounds there. It was a nice play. Um, he, st- he looks good anyway. It looks like there's absolutely no concerns with that leg. And uh, from what we know, it seems like he's just going to steadily uh, continue uh, climbing in those minutes there from uh, from 20 tonight. So it's, uh, it's good to have him back. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 tonight's game is, you know, kind of one of those games where you say, well, uh, where you miss, you really do miss having a guy like Bledsoe, right? Because 
hey, everything's great when Middleton is is playing yeah, well yeah, yeah. when Ersan is playing, you know, out of his mind, George Hill playing very well. Um, but this was a night, obviously, where there just wasn't that obvious sort of secondary score uh, to kind of give the, the Bucks a shot in the arm. And obviously, you know, Bledsoe, when he's back to sort of his normal self when he's playing, you know, the 25 to 30 minutes every night, then he's obviously just one more guy that um, can give you that spark. And, and just because of the way he attacks the basket, we saw, we've seen it now a, few, a number of times these last two games. I mean, yeah, he hasn't looked like a guy who is coming off a leg injury, right? I mean, he, he still yeah. looked quick and getting to the rim um, as, as kind of you'd, you'd hope. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just having that kind of arrow in your quiver and that, that type of attacking um, player at that point obviously is, is helpful. And, you know, also just, I mean, we, we had a couple of games in there where the Bucks, to be honest, looked like a team that wasn't starting a point guard, you know, in terms of some had some high turnover mm-hmm. games. Um, and that's because they weren't starting a point guard, point guard, right? I mean, you know, they were playing one one point guard in George Hill, and obviously Giannis and, and Chris, um, you know, I think have the ability to initiate and handle the ball sort of much more than maybe you'd expect from guys at their position. But um, obviously, they're not, you know, like a typical point guard might be. I mean, ironically, with Giannis, I mean, it's very easy for him to get the ball up the court typically because teams just want to like retreat. Um, when when he's bringing it up like slowly you know teams are more more just like relieved <laughs> he's not trying to just push the ball um but obviously you know having blood so back having uh another guy who can you know just initiate bring the ball up the court and just be you know again have more of that point guard decision making ability um is, is obviously a plus so uh yeah you know hopefully he'll uh, he'll be back up to his usual minutes um here uh, in the next next couple of days with this road trip uh coming up here shortly yeah well they're also just in a in a sort of uh position of of luxury at the moment with the guy like george hill playing as well as he is obviously tonight uh a rare night for him where he, he didn't hit a couple of the threes that he attempted still over 50 percent of the season but we saw in this game tonight that when bledsoe checked out uh they were just happy to roll with george hill down the stretch and as we already mentioned he came up with that big defensive play so it is it is a luxury for them right now that uh someone as who has been as important as Bledsoe has for this team uh they're able to plug in a, a guy like george hill that's just been playing at such a high level so uh yeah i would expect that uh Bledsoe will probably see another bump up again on saturday against san antonio uh which is the last home game before they go on a little road trip here which uh you know, it probably doesn't hold as much fear a West Coast road trip as any other West Coast road trip the Bucks have had at any time in, in previous years with the way they've been playing and the way they've been playing on the road. And in particular, uh, against below 500 teams where I think it's 22-0 and 0 now after tonight. I mean, that, that was obviously in a little bit of jeopardy there. But, uh, I mean, they just keep taking care of business. And even though tonight uh, was, let's just say, a little bit shaky, uh, they just continue to beat the teams they should beat. And that's uh, that's generally a sign of a pretty damn good team. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, are they going to go undefeated against sub-500 teams? I doubt it. <laughs> I, I mean, you just expect at some point you're going to hit that banana peel. You know, you yeah. referenced the Phoenix game last year was probably the the ultimate banana peel game uh, at home against a Phoenix team that obviously was was really bad. Uh, granted, they lost to them twice, which was just the ultimate irony of of how good they were last year. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, I, I've kind of been mentally preparing myself for a game like this to <laughs> turn into a loss yeah, yeah. for quite some time. And I think tonight you saw sort of some of the ingredients that can 
can create that type of scenario. And again, tonight it wasn't even uh, with, you know, Minnesota scoring a ton of points or hitting a bunch of threes. Uh, it was simply just Giannis not getting any help whatsoever. And I think it just, it just reminds you again, like, you know, Hey, especially on any given night scenario, uh, maybe enjoy your New Year's Eve a little bit too much uh, <laughs> next night. Uh, you you might be in for a surprise. But uh, again, no team has been taking care of business quite like the Bucks this year. They moved to that 22-0 mark uh, uh, against sub-500 teams. For reference, last year, 32-9 and against sub-500 teams, yeah. um, which, you know, again, is kind of funny, right, to think that if they go 10-9 and from here on out against sub-500 teams, they would still... Uh, match the record they had a year ago when they were 28 and 13, which was the best in the league against uh, 500 teams and above. Um, so anyway, interesting, uh, interesting kind of context. I think the best team last year, last year uh, was uh, Toronto. I think they might've been, I think they were 36 and five. And then the year before that, it was also Toronto. I think they were 35 and two. So the last year of the DeRozan Raptors were maybe the ultimate, uh, uh, bum hunters uh, in terms of just <laughs> beating up on uh, on the drugs of the league. But, um, you know, this year, Bucks, Lakers, Raptors, I believe are all still uh, undefeated against sub-500 teams. And the Clippers and Mavericks have actually have better net ratings against sub-500 teams than even the Lakers and Raptors do. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's, to me, that I don't know if I can think of a logical reason why that's been the case this year because – to me, I, I, I mean, just look at the box. I mean, it's not like they're playing Giannis and, and their best players a lot of minutes. They've rested. You know, obviously Middleton, Bledsoe missed a fair bit of time. Giannis obviously has, you know, missed a three games now. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's some systemic reason why the Bucks or some of these other teams would be just so much better than, uh, than kind of the sub-500 crowd. Because it's also not like there's a ton of teams relative to to previous years that are just like tanking or giving up either um it seems like there are a lot of kind of frisky bad teams out there but mm. for some reason um you know i think it's a credit probably to the, to just the top teams in the league they have just been really 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 good this year and um you know again a, a different from previous years you just have a lot of teams that i think um you know would be worthy title winners uh and obviously in previous years we just kind of got used to uh, you know, Golden State coming in as being just the the far and away favorite, um, but obviously things have have changed a lot. And obviously, the Bucks at thirty one and five now, uh, as of January one. Uh, obviously, they're they're at the top of that bunch in terms of regular season record, and hope that continues here. As you mentioned, the road trip coming up with, um, you know, again some West Coast dates in there, but certainly uh, two straight games against San Antonio coming up, the home and home, which is a little unusual. Spurs obviously have not been their usual selves would have won some games of late. Uh, and then you get some other games in there. Do you, do you recall, is it uh, Sacramento and I believe Portland is also on the trip and I'm trying to remember who else was on there. Do you have it in front of you? I don't have it in front of me. It is. Uh, there's yeah. I mean, uh, Golden State is the other one. Golden State. Yeah. Golden State. Yeah. And obviously, um, you know, the Warriors have picked up some wins of late, including probably shocking the uh, Rockets on, uh, on Christmas yeah, day. It was but, a fun game. Um, yeah. But, in general, even if in, in D'Angelo Russell, I think he's kind of been in and out um, with some various knocks. But, uh, you know, I'd say as long as Steph Curry is out, 
uh, obviously would feel pretty good about your chances <laughs> against the Warriors. You know, just just looking at the the, the names of the, the guys that they're running in and out of the lineup. But um, again, we obviously would have said the same thing tonight. Yeah, it was funny that you mentioned about some of these guys on the Minnesota roster because at one point I turned to Matt Velasquez uh, just before the game started and I said, Keelan Martin is starting for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I said, that player is made up. That is not a real NBA player. That, that's just a made-up name in the, in the starting lineup now. Apparently, he told me he, he went to Butler and, and Matt was very aware of him for, for that reason. But yeah, I mean, uh, the Warriors are a bit the same. I watched them uh, the other night play the Spurs and... Uh, yeah, it's just really odd to see this Golden State team with so many random guys. I think uh, Glenn Robinson uh, hit, hit a uh, big shot. I mean, it's it's a, it's a strange uh, strange group that they've got at the moment with obviously all the injuries they've had. But you did mention New Year's Eve and uh, just a little bit earlier. And uh, I believe you were the one that first made me aware of Rocky Rococo Pizza. And I, I'm going to give... <laughs> I'm going to give it the tick of approval and, and also, um, but I was, I was like hungover and I'm not going to lie. So I probably would have, uh, you know, enjoyed anything of that nature at that point, but I was very impressed with the drive through service. Never had drive through pizza before. Didn't even have to get out of the car. I was very happy about that. Um, so all in all, I'm giving it a tick of approval. Well, I'm very glad that we can continue to be co-hosts of this podcast together. Uh, I know. Cause, I, cause obviously that, you know, you, you, hating on Rockies could have been just driven a, a serious wedge between us that may not have been uh, resolvable, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Again, you know, um, it, this was we, controversial you know, when you brought this up the first time. There's, there's no accounting for taste. You know, you never know. Some people just like different things. Uh, yeah. and, and Rockies is it's like a thicker crust pizza. Some people don't like that, but, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I had it multiple times while I was home. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I, I, I will say this as well. I think, um, I think it tastes better when you get like a whole pizza. Uh, and I did not do that while I was home. I just had slices because it's, it's just faster. Um, but I would say that as well. Next time you have it, uh, order ahead, order like a small pizza, share it with a friend perhaps. Uh, and uh, I, I do think it's, I do think it's a little bit better that way versus if you get the slices cause they're, you know, they're usually sitting around a little bit or, or whatever, or the super slices I think they're greasier too when they're that way versus you get them, uh, you get them made to order. So anyway, is yep. that maybe that can uh, that probably uh concludes our our uh well not not nba road eats discussion um nba home eats discussion i guess uh although i will ask you one more question did you eat any of the breadsticks i did and i actually uh so um i i had uh what did i have i had pepper i sliced pepperoni you got breadsticks as well eric said i had to get breadsticks so i did I, I found i found them very nice and uh the the best thing about it was that i didn't eat them all so when i came home from the game tonight there was some waiting for me in the fridge it's just it's been a good day honestly like considering how it started when i woke up i, I thought it was it was going to be a rough one uh, i'm going to go to bed happy bucks fans will go to go to happy kane Pittman. <laughs> stomach full of rocky rococos i mean that, there's no better way to go to go to sleep so anyway i think we we can probably leave it there for the night um but uh yeah bucks uh yeah calendar turns uh maybe not the most convincing way to start the new year but um you know in the grand scheme of the universe uh we'll give them a pass nice to see honest doing honest things and uh we'll hope that this weekend uh the rest of the crew is uh recovered they've had their rockies 
uh, gotten over their hangovers <laughs> and uh, hopefully are, are back. <laughs> I don't know. We'll just say maybe Brockies isn't a great pregame meal. Uh, we'll say that, but um, but hopefully we'll uh, we'll have uh, more of the usual Bucks uh, high level basketball back uh, this weekend when we take on the Spurs. Yeah, it was it was a little bit scary for a while, but they did survive, and uh, that means that I can stay in the country because if uh, if they lost that home game, I was probably going to have to leave. But Spurs on Saturday, as we mentioned, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about that. But for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll catch you guys then. <laughs>